Hello, and welcome to Surveyor Says, the podcast from the National Society of Professional Surveyors. After a small hiatus, today's episode of Table A Talk centers around the current schedule of the process for reviewing and updating the latest ALTA NSPS land title survey minimum standards. NSPS Executive Director Kirk Sumner has wrangled Gary Kent, the chair of the Land Title Survey Committee, from his winter travels and conference presentations to summarize what has been discussed during the review process. They also discuss recent conversations regarding Item 19, offsite easements, and how these types of easements are intended to be addressed by the ALTA NSPS Land Title Survey requirements. So, without further delay, here is Kurt and Gary discussing Table A Talk on this episode of Surveyor Sets. Welcome to Surveyor Says, our podcast series here at NSPS. This is your host, Kurt Sumner, for today. And uh, my guest today is Gary Kent, whom everyone will recognize that name because we're all surveyors. Oh, well, most of us are surveyors, I guess. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, Gary Kent's with me today. Gary is, he's, he's the jack of every trade uh, because Gary gets involved in so many things, but in particular, um, he spends a lot of time on the ALT NSPS standards and, of course, is spending an inordinate amount of time on them now as we move toward the implementation, which will be in 2021. Uh, maybe that sounds odd to talk about it in February of 20, but there's a bit more work left to do. So welcome, Gary. Thanks for joining me again. Hi, Kurt. Yeah, it, it does seem odd, but as you know, we've actually been working on them for uh, a good year now. So it's uh, it, it always seems kind of funny, but it, it takes a while, as you know, to go through the process. And it, it always seems a little funny to be starting work on a standard that's two years out, but, uh, but it seems to take that long. Yeah. And of course, that that consternation is, is tempered a little bit by the fact that, as we've spoken about before, as soon as the new ones go into effect, you start getting questions about what are you going to change next time. So, so it it is a premature from that perspective, that's for sure. But, it is, and I, I uh, often uh, often I start giving programs on the new standards before they're even effective, and uh, and I usually have my first suggestion for the next version before uh, before February twenty third. Yeah, that's <laughs> for sure. So uh, remind our listeners about our schedule where. Where are we in the process in our interactions with ALTA, and what what are our anticipated uh, target dates? Yeah, so we've had, uh, a, a, as you know, the NSPS committee meets twice a year, and we will be meeting in uh, Arlington on uh, whatever that Thursday is. Or is that what is that about the third? I think right. It's April, April the third. The third? Did you say Thursday? I think it's Thursday. Yeah, yeah. it's April second. April second, uh, we will be meeting in Arlington, the NSPS committee. Uh, last time we met, we had, uh, gosh, we had probably twenty-five uh, surveyors in the room, so that's great. Uh, we have met, so those, so that's every roughly every six months. The uh, the ALTA committee has met uh, in person once down in Austin, and I think we've met uh, had a conference call or so also uh, ALTA 
uh, I, I really shouldn't say the ALTA committee because what the ALTA uh, committee really is a joint committee between ALTA and uh, NSPS. Uh, so that committee met in Austin last fall and is meeting again in Denver in March, uh, although I'm not going to be there and you're not going to be there. I I have been in touch with Kelly Romeo, who is our uh, our liaison with ALTA and will be coordinating that meeting one way or the other. Uh, our target is to have a final version ready to go in August. And what we normally, as you know, have done is the joint committee gets together and it has every year that every every time I've ever been involved, we have met at the uh, Hilton Airport at O'Hare Airport. Everybody comes in. We've got uh, 10 or 10 or 12 of us uh, surveyors and uh, title attorneys and sit down and go over the the draft uh, really word by word. Uh, the committee adopts it, and then it gets sent off to the organizations for their adoption at their fall meetings, which is normally in October. Uh, and then the effective date will be February 23rd of 2021. And we are on track for that right now. So look, looking good. We're, again, meeting in, in uh, March and April to kind of go through the last of the suggestions, although I suspect there will be more before it's all over with. Um, we'll get a, uh, that, that list out and the draft out to the people who have uh, expressed interest in you know, being involved in the process and, uh, and push on towards August. And, and during the time that we've been reviewing, of course, we pretty much review everything just to go through it to see if there's something that pops out and people always make um, comments all along the way, not only our members and surveyors in general, but our committee. Uh, we, we talk with each other about items as they come up and uh, you'll give me a call or we'll have a conversation and say, oh, by the way, somebody called and asked me about this. And so we'll, we'll have a little conversation about that as we're going through uh, the years each between each uh, iteration. Um, and so there's going to be a, a conversation about the whole body of the document, obviously. Um, and then, of course, all yes, the ta table uh, yeah. items and what have you. Right. It is. Uh, you're correct. And, uh, you know, you and I have a, a lot of conversations and email exchanges on on things that come up. And uh, and a lot of times it's just a question but uh, that question may trigger us to look at something and say, you know, uh, if we keep getting the same question or or maybe it's just a very uh, perceptive question, we'll say, yeah, we could actually do a little bit better with that item. And so we'll stick that on the list. Uh, most of the suggestions come from surveyors, although I do get suggestions. I have one suggestion we had on this time from uh, the the uh, Columbus, Ohio Bar Association, and we get suggestions from uh, title people, uh, but most of them come from surveyors. Uh, and um, you know, the, the, my list is uh, uh, let me think. Right now, it is uh, uh, almost eleven or uh, over ten pages long. Right. So it, well, it gets uh, it gets pretty lengthy. And and a lot of those questions come from people who are working on a specific project. And they'll call you or send you or me or one 
somebody in our group uh, an email or something and say, okay, I've been asked to do this. What now? Um, so that yeah, that's uh, a, a, yeah. As you know, that's very common. So that again also goes on the list as we as we move forward. And uh, before we get off today, we're I think we're going to talk a little bit about uh, offsite easements and item 19. Um, but perhaps we should begin our conversation with what I think what you've described as the elephant in the room that everybody is talking about at this point and will certainly have their questions about impact, if any, on the standards. And that is the whole issue of the U.S. survey foot and the uh, NGS position on that. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I, I'm sure as all of our listeners know, NGS is proposing to uh, to do away with the U.S. survey put, uh, and um, and I know there's some some controversy and consternation over that. But from the from land title survey standpoint, it's it's really utterly irrelevant. Uh, the the difference is, uh, I believe, what uh, roughly a hundredth per mile, I think something along those lines. I'm thinking it was two uh, hundreds and 10,000 feet or something to that effect. Um, it, it, our, uh, the, the precision with which he, we measure doesn't even come close to that. And, uh, and it would be rare for someone to have a land title survey that, that is that large, although there are. Uh, the, uh, in particular, some of the wind farms, we get involved with uh, areas that may span over uh, a township or you know any number of sections uh, so there are surveys that might get that large and and out west you know uh, uh, Todd Rackstad may get involved in surveys that big but for, still from a practical standpoint uh, and when we consider the differences uh, it, it just isn't isn't anything that's going to be of concern in the standards and the, and the standards of course don't address anything even remotely like that other than just the measurement precision right. so uh, so that that change uh, regardless of what ends up happening with that is really going to have no impact and not be reflected on the uh, in the standards do you think there's any reason to add a footnote or anything or just let it go you know, we could uh, we could make a suggestion for discussion probably in in April, and see if anybody thinks so. But as I as I try to think about um, you know where that would go and and the necessity of doing that, I can't I can't think of any reason that we would need to address it in the standards. But uh, right. you know, it's not a bad idea. I'll, I I will put it on the list so that uh, as a group in uh, in Arlington in, in, in April, uh, the group could talk about it. And, you know, because I, I, that's one good thing about having a group more than you and me is that somebody will say, well, you know, what about this? Like, well, yeah, didn't think about that. So yeah. I will, I will add that to the list. Just, uh, if for nothing else, then discussion's sake to make sure we're not, not, not missing something and that there should be some sort of footnote. Yeah. That one of the reasons I was thinking about that was, not necessarily from the surveyor side, but I suspect that some people, there will be some clients ordering 
uh, ALT and SPS survey who may have some general knowledge of this whole thing somehow. And and I guess I was just thinking about surveyors going to say, okay, what do I say when my client brings it up? Says, okay, are you doing this on this new survey foot thing? Or <laughs> what does that mean? Or yeah. that, that type of thing. Uh, no, that's a really good point, and uh, you know, not unlike questions that we we used to get, not so much now, but uh, you know, people would say, "Hey, are you going to be doing this survey with GPS?" You know, like like there's something you know magic about doing a survey that way versus other ways. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, I mean, it's been in the news and stuff. So yeah, I I don't think it's I think it's a definitely worth having a discussion at the committee meeting. Yeah, I guess I was kind of thinking back to the old uh, international foot days <laughs> when when that yeah. became an issue and measurement uh, equipment that we had and what what were they calculating in and all those kind of things. It just it seems as though whether or not we think that gets outside the surveying community, sometimes it does. And so I was just thinking, well, may, maybe there's something we ought to say about it. Yeah, while while we have been talking, I have added it to the list. So, we so will, we will have a discussion. I don't know if we need to cover the U.S. survey foot issue anymore. I just wanted to mention it so our listeners would know that it's on our minds. We're thinking about it. Yes, right, right. Um, you had mentioned that you had a conversation with one of our our ALTA partners on the committee. Uh, regarding off-site easements. Can you talk about that? Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, just uh, talked with him uh, two days ago, um, Todd D'Amico, and uh, he, he is a surveyor but represents the, the uh, title side also, interestingly, which is, brings a lot of value to the, to the committee, uh, and uh, was expressing something, uh, some concern over things that he runs into, and that is uh, the kind of the treatment of off-site easements. Um, and I guess I'd say, you know, whether they're in Schedule A or not, uh, which if they're in Schedule A, that would typically be a, uh, you know, you, you would have a parcel one fee parcel and parcel two, uh, you know, uh, off-site uh, access easement or something to that effect. Uh, and whether it's in Schedule A or whether sometimes those types of easements are listed in Schedule B, either purposely or or inadvertently, and um, and I, 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 he was raising the question about uh, how surveyors deal with that sort of thing, and uh, and his experience was some sometimes not very well, and uh, and and it seems to have to do with the fact that, for example, an an offsite easement that may benefit the property uh, but but for whatever reason is is listed at least initially in schedule b uh, or schedule b2 of a commitment uh, as an example there may be a, a a small commercial property that on its uh, in and of itself it does not have the adequate parking and uh, and so they actually have acquired an easement to park across the street on someone else's lot and that easement appears uh, in the initial commitment in Schedule B-2, which uh, typically are uh, 
exceptions to, or would be exceptions to a uh, title. And a surveyor might look at that and say, well, that's, you know, that, that easement isn't even on the property. I don't need to do anything with it. When the reality is it, it actually does benefit uh, the piece of property. And, um, and so it should be shown. And, and, and then that if, if the title company becomes aware, then they may decide they should be listing it or the attorneys as, a, uh, as an insured parcel, which would then appear in Schedule A later on. But it seems like there's some inconsistency over how surveyors address this sort of thing and, and, and really just picking up the phone or, or putting your fingers on the keyboard and communicating with uh, the title company on that. So I, I thought it was a good suggestion. And, uh, and so we'll be talking about that one coming up. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one. And uh, I don't know for future conversations, as as we were having this discussion right here, the thought sort of occurred to me that quite often you or I, and sometimes other people on the committee as well, will get a call or an email from somebody and they're asking a particular question. And I'll think about it and I'll probably contact you and we'll talk about it. And we'll say, yeah, we talked about that a while back. You remember? And then we'll try to figure out, okay, we did. What the heck did we do with it? So what's that, what that made me think about was, I wonder if using the podcast series as a way to memorialize discussions about things as they come along. So let's just say, for instance, we... We have uh, two or three questions that people have asked and, and maybe some that have already been asked and answered over time. I don't know. But it, I just thought maybe if we had a way to sort of catalog some of those responses and questions as they come along through this podcast series and then make sure we, we keep a record of where we did that, maybe we wouldn't have to go back and try to find them every time we could just direct people to go listen to that. We talked about it. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's a really, really good idea. As you know, we've, we've uh, addressed some of that with uh, the news and views questions in the past, but, right. but you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, we, we both get questions and I, I, I know I'll frequently say, you know what, I, you know, we, we address that, but uh, I don't know where it is, you know, and so I end up yep. writing another another response on email, it would be, it would be nice to be able to have some sort of index, uh, maybe on the NSPS uh, website where we could, uh, we could direct people. And, and, you know, something we could also do with that is, as you know, we have talked, uh, we've had a lot of suggestions this time that the committee is like, you know, those are, that's a good point. It doesn't belong in the standards, but we ought to address it uh, somewhere. And so we've talked about creating some FAQs uh, on uh, a whole bunch of different things. And, um, and what we could do is, is, you know, cross-reference those FAQs to points in, uh, in these podcasts, you know, where you could listen and, and get more information on that particular issue. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense too. And it's almost like a, a self-help desk, if you will. Yeah. So yeah. You, you yeah. Know. I like that idea. I think it's a great idea. So maybe we can uh, figure out a way to, to make that happen. And, and the, the cool part of all of this is 
we totally control this in terms of the podcast. So yeah, anytime we want to do it, we can just do like we're doing today and set it up and, and then making sure that we catalog it properly and put it in, in places where people can find it and, uh, and categorize them by topic, I guess, you know, these are all right. Table a items 10 or whatever the case is. And then people. Can yeah. 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 I, I, I really like that. That's a really good idea. So I guess with the new standards coming out and you preparing for your, your, uh, what's the terminology, your vagabond tour. Is that the right term? <laughs> as yeah. you, as you go about the country, um, are, have you girded yourself and, and built up all your defenses for how you're going to deal with everything? Cause I know that gets pretty interesting right after the new ones come out. Yeah. Uh, I get, uh, I, I get a lot of requests and you probably do to, uh, to speak on them. And, um, so yeah, I'm, I, I'm getting prepared for that. I already have heard from a couple of states who want to make sure that, that they get that done. And, uh, so I'll be, uh, you know, I I want to I want to change. I've kind of done the same routine on the standards uh, through the last, you know, since the last version, and uh, and I want to kind of turn that around and do some different things while we uh, address all the changes and and you know kind of take perhaps a little bit different approach on uh, on the standards so that. You know, when I'm going around next time around after the after the new ones come out, that that people aren't hearing, you know, 75 percent of the same thing they heard about last time, just with a with a little bit of information on the new stuff. I want to kind of change that up. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, what do you what are you thinking uh, time wise when we'll get the new ones uh, up the will actually post the new updates. Uh, it, obviously, they take, uh, they take effect, like you said, um, and next year on the, or the yeah, 23rd of February. Uh, but I'm assuming we're going to post them out for people to be reading. But at the same time, you kind of run the risk of the other people might think, oh, we'll go ahead and start using those. So yeah, uh, uh, and as you know, that's why we don't broadcast them widely while we're working on them because we did that uh, a number of years ago, and there was some confusion, and we had a lot of calls back and forth, and people were wondering, you know, is there a new version out? And even though we went out of our way to prevent that from happening, it still happens. So uh, for those who are interested in knowing what's going on as we're proceeding. Uh, they they can send me an email and I will put them on my list. I've got a list of probably um, at least 300, mostly surveyors who uh, are able then to follow along. They see all the suggestions. They see the drafts as they come along. Uh, the the plan though would be um, once you know officially once the two organizations ALTA and NSPS the uh, the board of directors uh, adopt the changes, which uh, I, I think is in October for both organizations, uh, then we'll be able to officially put them out there as the, you know, a, as what the new version will be uh, effective in February. So, uh, so they will be, I, I would say in quotes, published, you know, officially published as an official document um, in, 
probably late October um, with uh, with an, uh, hoping everybody notes that the, they're not effective yet at that point, but at least they'll be out there and people can be looking at them and, and, and preparing for them. And uh, that should be October. I think we're meeting in October, and I think uh, ALGA's meeting is October also. Yeah, our fall meeting is actually the uh, 23rd through the 26th of September. Oh, September. Okay. Yeah. All right. So right. we'll be a little ahead of the game. I'm pretty sure ALTA's law is October. Uh, 23rd through the 26th, you said? Yeah. yeah. And it's going to okay. be in Tulsa. In Tulsa, okay, mm-hmm. okay. Our board had had some discussions about sort of spreading the meetings around a little bit and going different places, yeah. so the same people don't have to travel long distances all the time. Um, so we've made a, a concerted effort to to spread those fall meetings out a bit. We're going to be in Oklahoma this fall, actually. Yeah, well, that's great to be like be heading to Oklahoma. Excellent. Yeah. And um, I think we've got the next two or three years set up. I don't remember exactly where we're going to be every year, but just that whole concept of it's basically imperative that we do the spring meeting here in the D.C. area because of the Capitol Hill Day thing. Um, Right. And it's just so much more convenient and really increases the number of people who are able to participate in Capitol Hill Day because our directors are going to be here anyway. Right, right. And then um, if we just tried to do a meeting someplace and then everybody come in just for a day or two for Capitol Hill Day, I think our our participation would be a a lot smaller. Yeah, I I think you're right. And uh, and I'll be joining you again in uh, in April for Capitol Hill Day. I'll be uh, I'll be coming in from uh, Las Vegas at the that joint meeting uh, out west there with Arizona, Nevada, and California be coming to, to D.C. directly from there. But uh, gosh, for those who haven't ever done that, um, visited your representatives and senators and wandered around the Senate and, and House office buildings and the Capitol, uh, it, it, it's really quite an experience. And I, I've done it probably a half a dozen times at least, and you've been there every time. Uh, it really is a great experience, and I would highly encourage people if there's some way they can get there to participate in that. It's a it's it, it's really a wonderful thing. Yeah, and one of the things that's so good about it is, uh, obviously, our government affairs team, and I and our officers uh, visit with and have conversations with with legislators on a pretty regular basis, but they really, really respond when somebody who votes for them shows up. And oh, yeah. Uh, uh, those of us involved know that, that that's, that's when they start paying attention. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And so I would, like you, I would recommend anybody who has an opportunity to come and participate in that because it's a, it's a, a great experience. And actually... Capitol Hill Day this year, I want to say, is the 1st of May. That's Wednesday, yeah, 1st of, 1st of May, which is right at the beginning of our spring meetings. And, of course, we'll be at the Hilton Arlington Hotel. Uh, 1st, of, uh, 1st of April. I'm sorry. 
I don't know why I wrote May on here, but yeah, April is correct. Yeah, so yeah, Capitol Hill Day is April 1st. April 1st. Uh, committee meetings, including ours, are on the 2nd, and then what the uh, I think the board meetings are on the 3rd, I think. Is that yeah. right? Now, I should have remembered that because when I put it in the newsletter a week or so ago, uh, I said uh, Capitol Hill Day is April the 1st. No fooling. So... <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably the only one who got the joke, but nonetheless. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty typical for me. I'm the only one who gets my jokes, but, but that's okay. Um, we got a little bit more time. We try to keep these things around a half an hour, but uh, in, in all the suggestions that you've come across, do you have any uh, one or two that really stuck out in your mind? Or I know that you take them all seriously. I just didn't know if any of them sort of struck a chord any more than the others might. Uh, yeah, let me uh, let me look through here real quick. You know, we had we had a number of questions and and suggestions regarding mineral rights this time, and uh, actually quite a few comments and suggestions in that regard, and questions about treatment of that. And and it's funny how uh, I mean, uh, to my knowledge, nothing has changed in that realm, and yet all of a sudden we we get a lot of questions about that. Uh, I I don't know that we're going to do anything with that. That's a it's a extremely esoteric area of title, uh, which then the treatment of which depends a lot on where you are. But I think we are going to just list that as another atypical type of property that. Uh, uh, that that a surveyor might get involved with. Um, we we talked at length with the title folks about that, and and gosh, it's it's a, an area that's kind of um, well, I, I I guess again just very esoteric and very uh, very site specific. So we didn't want to wade into that. Another suggestion that we had a number of times that was I think quite interesting and that was whether or not we should um, look at the uh, the whole subsurface utility uh, investigation uh, and, the, and the ASCE uh, I think uh, categories for lack of a better term of the ABCD uh, with respect to table A item 11 and um, and locating utilities and I thought that you know that was a very perceptive and interesting suggestion. Uh, I think that uh, as of now, the committee decided not to go there uh, for a couple reasons. One is the the uh, potential problems that can come about when one set of standards refers to another set of standards, uh, and then something changes. But mm -hmm. uh, but I thought that there were a, quite a number of questions or suggestions related to that, which uh, which I think were was was perceptive and and uh, and really you know good suggestions. Whether we whether the committees go with stuff or not doesn't mean they weren't bad suggestions because they often provoke uh, lengthy conversations. Uh, but but what as you know, Kurt, what we try to focus on is. Uh, you know, hold on, you know, we may think that's a good suggestion, but, but whoa, 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 let's put the brakes on a second. Um, does it really matter from a land title 
you know, from a title insurance standpoint, because uh, sometimes we 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 are we kind of head off uh, towards uh, left field with, oh yeah, that's a great idea. And I was, no, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, it really doesn't have an impact uh, with respect to this type of survey. So uh, I think that was a very very per perceptive suggestion. Um, uh, another one that actually probably stands out as much as any of them, and, and we are going to be addressing this, and that is the issue of surveyors, uh, for whatever reason, coming to realize that there is an easement that affects a property that is not listed in Schedule B2 of the title commitment. For, for whatever reason, uh, either the title company missed it or it's it's been released or maybe they're insuring over it. Uh, and, and what do surveyors do with that sort of thing? And so we are going to be addressing that uh, specifically. And I think that's a really good thing because surveyors get uh, sometimes browbeat by attorneys over that particular issue uh, to, I think, to the to the surveyor's detriment. And so we're going to clarify that item. Yeah, that'll be good because those kind of things do tend to pop up. Um, and uh, it's, I know every, all of us as surveyors are reluctant, I think, to make statements about does or does not because we may not know all the circumstances involved. Um, so any explanation that can come along or any help in addressing those kind of things, because you're going to get asked, um, or, or as you said, maybe you discover something and you have an issue that you need to deal with. Uh, and perhaps the people who are on the, the title side may not, or even the ownership side might not want you to do it, but still as a surveyor, maybe you're, you're obligated. Yeah, uh, I, I, that's a that's a really good note, and I think that th this is an example of that. And there are other other examples. I just was talking with uh, somebody I think in New Jersey last week about an issue like that. It's like, well, you know, what do you do with this information? And uh, and my response was, oh, well, it depends on who's suing you as to what you should have done. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but but there are there are situations like that where I think we are sometimes in a, uh, a, a you know really not certain should I for example this this issue should I show it or shouldn't I and um, uh, uh, something else I thought of Kurt that that uh, you'll remember because this came up in our uh, in our joint meeting in uh, Austin and that was uh, Table A. And it turned out that there was not a, a consensus on um, what we could do with Table A as far as modifications and uh, and negotiations. And so we're going to clarify in the new standards that, in fact, not only are which items selected are negotiable, but also the exact wording of those items. Uh, can be negotiated. So, uh, so I think that was a that was kind of an eye opener for me because I had always uh, thought that was clear and I, that was understood, and it turned out that it was not understood. So we're going to be addressing that. Yeah, and and I've heard those kind of questions from people too. Uh, they're asking me to do this. I'm, do I have to do it? Um, right. And and oftentimes people would think, okay, the 
they're, they're telling me they want it, so I have to do it. But it's good that we're going to make some clarification about that because uh, acquiescing to do something that might put you in some sort of liability situation is not a good thing. Right, right. Well, we've in about uh, close to 25 minutes, I guess, or 35 minutes it is. And so we'll we'll break for today and we'll come back and we want to be doing these on a regular basis as we move forward. I know the ones that we've done so far have been pretty popular with people because it's obviously a big topic on the minds of surveyors right now. And anytime we're going from one iteration of the standards to the next, then people want to know what's happening. So I appreciate you taking the time to to be with me on these occasions and we'll continue to talk about this and and find more issues to talk about to help people as they begin to uh, be exposed to the new standards. Yeah, that's uh, that's what we want to do is uh, is be as helpful as we can as as people uh, make their way through the, the new version. Absolutely. Well, have a great weekend. OK, Kurt. You've been listening to Table A Talk with Kurt Sumner and Gary Kent here on the Surveyor Says Podcast. Upcoming episodes will have Kurt and Gary reviewing questions from our practitioners, including the popular successors and assigns request within the standard certification. Future episodes will showcase more educational programs, including a visit with New Mexico State University teacher and professional land surveyor David Acosta and NSPS Director Chris Pappas. We will also have a visit with incoming NSPS President Mark Sargent and get to know him a little better. So, remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and Spotify, as well as our podcast host, Podbean. Also, watch our website, nsps.us.com, for information on future episodes. And remember, it's a great day to be a surveyor.